Just days before Joe Biden took office, the developer behind the controversial Keystone XL pipeline made a move. The company called TC Energy threw a Hail Mary. The TC people realized that there's no way their project was going to survive. And they put together this whole package to appeal broadly to Democrats, but specifically to Joe Biden. Biden's campaign had pledged to address climate change. Now, the fate of Keystone XL would be in his hands. And so, TC promised to do something that was almost a contradiction in terms. Create a carbon-neutral oil pipeline. They pledged to run Keystone XL on wind and solar energy. The plan was bold. But our colleague Tim Puko says it was also a total bust. It was way too late for them. They had to do things that were antithetical to the oil industry to try to get this project done. And they lost anyway. Tonight, President Biden revoked the permit for the long-disputed Keystone XL pipeline. An executive order revoking the permit for the project on his very first day in office. Sort of like putting the kibosh on the Keystone XL pipeline. And, and this time, for real, it could actually be dead. Keystone XL is maybe the biggest symbol of the environmental movement from the past decade. It flummoxed Obama. It was a a, a key thing for Trump to try to make happen. And then for Biden, there was almost no way around it politically for him not to reject this on his first day. Welcome to The Journal, our show about money, business, and power. I'm Ryan Knudsen. It's Thursday, January 28th. Coming up on the show, how Keystone grew from an oil pipeline to a day one priority for the Biden administration. This episode is brought to you by Vonage. With Vonage Video API, your developers can easily create custom video experiences tailored to your business. Enhance every conversation with live video, whether it's delivering faster tech support, improving customer service, or enabling interactive meetings and events. Unlock the true video potential of your business. Discover how at Vonage.com. When Keystone XL was first proposed in 2008, it was just an oil pipeline one that Canada needed to get hundreds of thousands of barrels of its oil to market. Here's Tim. The thing with oil markets, well, there are many things with oil markets, but one of the key things with them is that just having the oil isn't enough. You've got to be able to get that oil somewhere. And sometimes the the transport of that oil is going to be the most difficult challenge. It's going to be the thing that actually makes your oil more expensive. The idea behind Keystone XL was to make it cheaper to transport oil. It was supposed to be an extension of an already existing pipeline network, one that links up Canadian oil fields in the north with American refineries on the Gulf Coast. For Americans, the project promised a plentiful source of oil from a close ally, and Keystone promised other benefits too. How important is the argument that I've seen in favor of the pipeline that the oil is going to move regardless And the pipeline is actually safer because otherwise you're going to move it on trains and trucks and that has more likelihood to spill. 
yes, even environmentally, there are a lot of reasons that you'd rather have a, a pipeline than to not have one. A lot of this oil, it will still flow. It's just going to be put on a train or shipped in some other way. And we've seen time and time again that oil by train can just basically be like a bomb on rails. At its core, Keystone was your basic oil infrastructure project, a way to move more oil safely and efficiently. But then, Keystone became something else. In 2010, Tim says, the environmental movement was facing a bit of a dead end. President Obama hadn't made climate a focus in his first term in the way activists had hoped. And they had just lost a big battle in Congress over a climate bill. It was a turning point. The environmentalist movement realized, okay, Washington's not going to address this. We've lost this battle. Where else can we fight? And some people put a spotlight on Keystone. Activists were concerned about Keystone XL for a few reasons. Earlier segments of the pipeline had leaked, and this new part would run over an aquifer that provides drinking water to a lot of the Midwest. The pipeline would also run through indigenous lands. And as a symbol, Keystone made a lot of sense. Environmentalists were arguing that we should be keeping fossil fuels in the ground. Building an oil pipeline is pretty much the opposite of that. Their argument was, we can't say we're going to address climate change and still have unfettered growth of oil production. You have to cap that. And stopping the major outlet, this huge pipeline, for one of the biggest oil deposits in the world is a great way to slow that growth. And as a symbol and a rallying point, Keystone was wildly successful. One of the other beauties of the pipeline movement and focusing on a pipeline is that you can get people to places. There's a place to go. If climate change is this abstract concern that's going to melt sea ice in the Arctic and, and you know, destroy polar bear habitat, well, it's really tough for people to go and wrap their arms around sea ice or around a polar bear. It's far away and impractical. It doesn't make any sense. But a pipeline that comes through your backyard, uh, that goes through disadvantaged communities, you can go there. Activists did. 8,000 people drove from all over the U.S. for a concert in the cornfield. Willie Nelson and Neil Young played a concert protesting Keystone at a farm lying in the pipeline's path. Activists carved no KXL over 80 acres of Nebraska cornfield. And Keystone protesters also picketed the White House. Environmental activists wrapped up a two-week protest outside the White House against a proposed oil pipeline. Dozens of people were arrested yesterday, bringing the total for the two weeks to more than 1,000 arrests. You know, they get 10,000 people or more all coming to D.C. for what is then one of the biggest environmental protests, if not the biggest environmental protest of all time. They're gathering at the White House. They have uh, an inflatable replica of a pipeline hoisted up on their shoulders, you know, surrounding the White House. It just, you know, this pipeline just became such a, so much of a, a visceral symbol. Protesters first started targeting the White House in 2011, and they were back in 2014. Obama had a decision to make, whether or not to grant TC Energy its permit to build Keystone XL. 
Because Keystone crosses an international border, the president has the ultimate authority over whether the project can get a permit. This is a decision that really is bottlenecked with one guy, a guy with a tremendous amount of power who had campaigned on making climate change an issue. And so the message to President Obama at the time was very clear. You've said that climate change is important and we have to do something to stop it. Well, you have the singular authority to decide whether this project can go on and you should stop it. So did this focus that environmentalists put on the president, this pressure that they put on Obama, did it work? Yes, The State Department has decided that the Keystone XL pipeline would not serve the national interests of the United States. I agree with that decision. In 2015, after years of wrangling, Obama decided that he was just going to reject it. Our reporting at the time suggests that for for years he had been flummoxed around this whole thing. It's a tough call for a Democratic president. You care about unions, you care about employment, you're trying to spur job growth. But in the end, that symbolism around it became almost the most important thing, even for the president himself. Now, for years, the Keystone Pipeline has occupied what I frankly consider an overinflated role in our political discourse. It became a symbol too often used as a campaign cudgel by both parties rather than a serious policy matter. And all of this obscured the fact that this pipeline would neither be a silver bullet for the economy, as was promised by some, uh, nor the express lane to climate disaster proclaimed by others. Obama didn't like what a symbol Keystone had become, and neither did TC Energy. TC's CEO released a statement saying, quote, Today, misplaced symbolism was chosen over merit and science. But soon, TC Energy would get a break. A new president was about to use Keystone as a symbol for something else. Two months into his term, President Trump granted Keystone's permit. Today, I'm pleased to announce the official approval of the presidential permit for the Keystone XL pipeline. So President Trump comes along and maybe first and foremost in his priorities is to help the oil industry. The ties to American history, you know, the cultural importance, the economics importance, the jobs attached to those interests were way more important to President Trump than anything else. And so Keystone, you know, it has symbolism for him as well. And so basically from the earliest days of the administration, he's working to greenlight that project. Trump signed the order with TC Energy's Russ Gerling standing right behind him. Russ, you've been waiting for a long, long time, and I hope you don't pay your consultants anything because they had nothing to do with the approval. In fact, you should ask for the hundreds of millions of dollars back that you paid them. TC Energy finally had its permit. And after two more years of legal wrangling, construction finally started on Keystone XL last year. Under Trump, the pipeline crossed the border from Canada into the U.S., But the next president would still have the power to stop the pipeline. And that meant TC Energy was watching the 2020 election very closely. Coming up, Joe Biden's journey from climate moderate to pivotal Keystone opponent. This episode is brought to you by Canva. 
It's time to ditch your old presentation programs at work and try Canva presentations instead. It'll help you create stunning slides in no time. No design experience needed. Just start with one of the designer-made templates or generate something in seconds with AI. Then polish it up and get ready to wow your audience. It's that easy. Nail your next work presentation with Canva presentations at canva.com. Designed for work. Tap the banner to learn more. This episode is brought to you by Indeed. Hiring with Indeed, your search is over. With over 350 million global monthly visitors and candidate matching technology, Indeed helps you find quality candidates fast. As a listener of this show, Indeed is giving you a £100 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at indeed.com slash thejournalpod. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When Biden started campaigning, it wasn't clear how high of a priority Keystone or the climate would be for him. Biden tried to be the moderate candidate, and it rubbed a lot of progressives the wrong way. The Sunrise Movement famously gave him an F for his climate plan. And so once Biden corners all of his other competitors in the primary and becomes the guy, he's got some fences to mend. To win the general election, Biden would need progressive support. And so the Biden campaign met with progressive leaders, Bernie Sanders and Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, to try to find areas of common ground. Climate becomes central to that. And Biden starts adopting a lot of the prescriptions to address climate change that have been central to the progressive movement. Well, there is no bigger symbol in all that than the Keystone Pipeline. In May, Biden announced that if elected, he would revoke the pipeline's permit. You you can never say with these guys how much of it is political and how much of it did they really come around to an idea. But he absolutely started to absorb, you know, all these ideas about climate change that had been seen as, as too leftist or too wonky or just unrealistic. And in the end... He famously says at, at one of the debates, Would he close it down falls, the oil industry? It falls, Would you close it down the falls, oil industry? By the way, industry? I would transition from the oil industry, yes. Oh, I would transition. It is a big statement. Because he sees the oil industry as something that has to be phased out. Because it has to be replaced by renewable energy over time. Over time. Like, this is unthinkable for any sort of mainstream political candidate as recently as four years ago. Um, Hillary Clinton got hammered for just saying, like, the coal industry was bad. And here's Joe Biden on the debate stage openly saying this industry that has been an iconic American industry, fundamental to not just the U.S. economy, but to American culture as well for more than half a century, can no longer exist as we have always known it if we're going to seriously address climate change. Okay. Because basically what he's saying question, is he is Mr. going President. to destroy the oil industry. Okay. Will you remember that, Texas? Will you okay. remember that, Pennsylvania, Oklahoma? And then Biden won. For TC Energy, Keystone's developer, this posed an immediate problem. Biden could revoke their permit. But longer term, the pipeline faced another threat, public opinion. When TC Energy first proposed the pipeline extension in 2008, only 4 in 10 Americans thought climate change was a major threat to the country. Now, it's 6 in 10. 
Plus, Americans didn't really need Canada's oil anymore. The U.S. had experienced its own oil boom from shale. The politics of big oil projects had shifted under TC's feet. They maybe realized some of their mistakes, or they put their finger up to the wind and realized they had to completely overhaul the project to try to get it approved. That's when TC unveiled its big $1.7 billion plan to make the pipeline carbon neutral and try and change Biden's mind. And you already know how that turned out. Just hours after taking the oath of office, Biden signed a stack of executive orders. State of the nation today is no time to waste. Get to work immediately. One of the orders revoked Keystone's permit. The response from TC Energy was immediate. They halted the project, and later that afternoon, they laid off 1,000 workers. They said it was an unfair decision. They pointed out that it's gone through a process and that Biden was basically taking unilateral action to go against a fair process. And they've said they're reviewing all their options. They could challenge this. It wouldn't surprise me at all to see this in court in some way going forward. So even though the Trump administration had given TC Energy the green light, now it's dead. Do you think it's dead for good? Or can the company just hold out for the next administration, potentially? I never like to proclaim things are absolutely dead. I have said before, there are a lot of zombies walking around this town in particular. (laughs) But this was about as big of a death blow as could be aimed at them. Keystone wasn't the only environmental move Biden made in his first weeks as president. We're going to rejoin the Paris Climate Accord uh, as uh, as of today. The same day he revoked Keystone's permit, he rejoined the Paris Climate Agreement. He ordered his agencies to review dozens of Trump-era environmental rules. And on Wednesday, he announced that he would be suspending new oil leases on federal lands. We can do this. We must do this. And we will do this. I'm now going to sign the executive order to meet the climate crisis with American jobs and American ingenuity. Oil industry leaders were quick to respond. A representative called the moves alarming and accused Biden of unilaterally restricting American oil and gas producers. It seems like the message in these moves is that Biden is targeting oil in kind of an unprecedented way. It's almost hard to believe considering how presidents have treated the oil industry through time. But yes, he is absolutely following through on this idea that the oil industry needs to shrink, or at the very least, its growth needs to stop to address climate change. That's just devastating for for the entire industry. And a change from how the oil industry has interacted with Washington for decades. That's all for today, Thursday, January 28th. The Journal is a co-production of Gimlet and The Wall Street Journal. Thanks for listening. See you tomorrow.